Anybody here remember Sears department stores? <laughs> they were once the biggest retailer in the world. Now they only have 13 stores in America. That's a story for another time. But when I was growing up, Sears was always known mostly for nuts and bolts. They had those craftsman hand tools and and power tools that we thought were indestructible, and they practically were. They had power equipment like lawnmowers and so forth. But Sears was more than just hard things like nuts and bolts and tools. In their stores, they had soft things like towels and sheets and blankets and fuzzy pajamas. So the same store had two sides, a hard side and a soft side, and they were opposites. Apparently, customers weren't going so much for the soft side, so I don't know if you remember this, but in the 90s, Sears ran a commercial with this invitation, come see the softer side of Sears. Remember that commercial? God's truth can be the same way. Opposite sides in the same truth. For instance, John 3.16 does not say, For God so hated sin that he gave his only son. That sounds hard, but it's true. God hates sin. He hates the devastation that sin brings into the lives of those he loves, but he chooses to say that truth in a softer way. And so we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. He gave his only son. That one beautiful truth implies two opposites. God hates sin and the softer side, God loves us. We need to see the softer side of the command that's before us again this morning after all these several weeks that wives should be subject to their husbands. We hear it as hard. It is hard. It causes angst and upset and threats of legal action in our cultural climate as it currently is. But God did not command it because God is hard. Quite the opposite. God wants good for his people. God has good for his people. We can't give up at what seems hard. We've got to press on. And press in to see the softer side of it, the beautiful side. The side that is inspired by the Spirit of God to encourage us and to equip us because God loves us. We must look for the hard and the soft side in God's truths. That's what I hope to do this morning as we return again to this passage in 1 Peter. I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles, to take them out now. Or you may use the one in the pew rack in front of you. And turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. When you've found your place there, I want to ask you to stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if they do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person 
of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that's frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your word is life to us, the bread of life to us. We pray that you would break it now for us. Graciously feed it to us, strengthen us through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So for a fifth week, we take up this command for wives to be subject to their husband. A command that now seems extreme to us, seems hard to us. And over the course of the weeks, I have made five observations that extreme obedience is required here. Well, each one of those observations has a soft side to it. And before I move on next week with more observations, I'm, I'm going to use this morning to look at the softer side of those five observations that we've already seen. And the first observation was this, that extreme obedience to this command requires a kingdom perspective. And so whenever we hear that word require, we think of something that is hard, but What's the softer side here? The softer side is that you and I get a kingdom perspective. We get to have a perspective that we would never have apart from Christ. Apart from the work of his spirit, we would believe that this world is all there is. And how dark and how hopeless and how depressed we, would we be if we believed that this is all there is? What if it were true for us that the one who dies with the most toys wins? What would our lives look like trying to accumulate the toys of the world? And that's just one wrong way the world looks at itself. Because it doesn't have any other way to look than with its wrong perspectives, wrongly identified goals, wrongly identified purposes, and wrongly identified meanings. And so the soft truth here, the beautiful thing that God has done for us is to open our eyes to see that there is another kingdom, a better kingdom, a truer kingdom than the one in which this world is trapped. Jesus bravely stood before Pilate, the man who by the world's accounting had all the power to himself. And Jesus said to him, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of the same quality or substance as this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting 
that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. A truer kingdom, a better kingdom exists in the world than the world is limited to see. Here on earth, you and I, for us, there's a, an otherworldly kingdom. And that kingdom is peopled with people who have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. It's a kingdom inhabited by people with a soft side, people whose lives are marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. A kingdom that has as its goal to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. A goal to love your neighbor as yourself. A goal to go into all the world and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. What could be softer? What could be more beautiful than this? So yes, we are required to have a kingdom perspective. But the good news is that we get to have that kingdom perspective. That is God's gift of grace to you and to me in this world. Because he loves us so. Are you living within and out of a kingdom perspective with which God has graced you? The second observation. Extreme obedience requires a shepherd's guiding hand. The hard truth here is that we cannot make it on our own in this world. We can't. And that is a difficult reality for independent people like many of us here might be this morning. I can't are two words we don't like to say, but they are true. And it isn't only in Psalm 23 that there is a valley of the shadow of death. Our lives have it as well. Yes, the world is different Since Jesus came. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. But still the reality of the world is as true today as it was when Jesus came. People are walking in darkness. As Matthew tells us, they are dwelling in the region of death. That's what our world is like. And so we must have a shepherd's hand to guide us through it. And take us out of it. That's hard, but it's true. The soft and the beautiful side is that we have a shepherd's hand reaching out to us every moment of every day. Every moment, you and I can reach out and take hold of the hand that is extended to us. It's the same hand that reached out to Peter and took hold of him when Peter was about to be lost in the waves. That's a soft, beautiful truth. And that hand that reaches out to us has nail scars in it. And that's a hard truth because it's the emblem of an unimaginably hard thing that Christ did for you and for me when he died on the cross. But the hand is healed now. 
It's strong but gentle, and it reaches out to us. How often do you reach out for the hand that's extended to you? How tightly do you cling to it as you seek to obey even the hard things? The third observation. Extreme obedience requires being countercultural, And you don't need me to tell you how difficult that is for us. You don't need me to tell you that our culture is set against Christ. What he loves. The life he loves. The family he loves. The order he loves have now become targets at which legislation takes aim and against which the media ridicules and lashes out. That's hard. We know that more and more Christianity and its voice is becoming singled out as the one voice that must not be heard. We ourselves, or at least I, have fallen mute in the midst of conversations that ridicule God and His Word. We're often shamed lest someone that we work with or live around should know that we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and we do value what He values, especially the house order that he commands in this verse. It's hard to go against culture. It's hard to swim against the current. The softer side is that God has given his eyes to see what his culture is like. It's not combative. It's not marked with strife. These are characteristics that are countercultural to Christ's culture. We've experienced, I know we have, for ourselves the power of the Spirit of God and the peace that comes from living in God's culture. We sing it here all the time. What heights of love, what depths of peace when fears are stilled and strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. That striving that ceases is not only the striving to save ourselves, believing that there's something we can do to earn God's favor, to earn his acceptance. As I learned as a child in the King James Version, God hath made us accepted in the beloved, accepted in the beloved. This is Christ culture. Not accepted in ourselves as we are, no, accepted in Christ and who he makes us to be. Charles Spurgeon said of these words, are there grander words in any language than these four? Accepted in the Beloved. There seems to be a sacred poem in these words. To my heart, there is more heavenly music in those four words than in any oratorio I ever heard. The striving ceases when we're accepted in the Beloved. Not only within ourselves, but with our culture as well. 
we strive too often and work too hard to accommodate our culture, to look like it, to blend into it, to meld with it, to mush with it. For what purpose? Acceptance? The striving to seek that ceases. Being accepted by the world when we know that we are accepted in the beloved. That striving ceases when we realize that we are now part of kingdom culture. A Christ culture. And in that culture there are unimaginable heights of love and depths of peace that our culture will never ever know. That's the soft side of this beautiful truth that you and I are called to live counterculturally. Do you dare? Do you dare? Do I dare to be different than the world because we are accepted in the beloved? The fourth observation was this, that extreme obedience is difficult. That one's sort of self-explanatory. On the week at which we looked at these This observation, we saw people gathered around Jesus and he told them truly hard things. And the consensus of that vast majority of people was that what Jesus said was too hard and so they turned away and they no longer followed him. But what if we don't turn away from following Jesus? What if we stay with Christ even when things are hard? Ah, that's when we learn the truth of Paul's words. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. Paul uses the word secret to refer to this truth. He says, I have learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says this is the secret Even when life is hard, even when he was hungry, even when he was in need, even when he was brought low, these are hard things. But Paul did not turn away from Christ because it was difficult. He kept walking with Christ and he learned this secret because the secret was always there for him to learn. Have you discovered it? Paul uses the word secret only one time in all of his letters. And it's the only time this word secret appears in all of the New Testament. And the word secret means to initiate. And so Paul was initiated into this beautiful truth because of the hardships that he encountered in life. In other words, life hazed Paul. And we all know from experience or from what we've heard from others, or from what we've seen in movies, what hazing is like for those being initiated into a fraternity. It's hard. Sometimes it's even brutal. But there's a secret to be had for those who keep walking, for those who keep following. Christ is strong. He gives that strength to us. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How sad it is that we've relegated Jesus Loves Me to be a children's song. And don't get me wrong, I love it that little children know these glorious truths early on. That they are weak, but 
We need to sing those words every day. Because we need to remember his strength and tap into it. Our arms are going to get tired of swimming upstream against the current on our own and doing the hard thing. We'll tire out. We'll just have to stop, give up, and be carried along with the current. But not if we do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's soft, but it's strong. And so I ask you as I ask myself, what strength are you living out of? Whose strength are you living out of? And finally, the fifth observation from last week is that we can be extremely obedient because God sees that can be a hard truth for us. In fact, it may first seem hard because we have Santa Claus is coming to town, swirling around in our heads. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. We can't be good. We fear the gaze of God upon us because we know we're not good. We fear because we know what he sees when he looks at every one of us. Often things we wish he did not see. He knows what we think and we wish he didn't. And because he sees us, Because he knows us, we cannot fathom that he's telling us the truth when he says to us in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you. With loud singing. If you and I say. That is not true. If we say it's not true. Even when we've placed our faith in Christ for salvation. Then you and I. Are calling God. A liar. He does rejoice over you. He does rejoice over me. When we are in Christ. Do you tremble? At the thought of calling God a liar. In verse 4 we read about being precious in God's sight. How can it be true? How can Zephaniah be true? The softer side is that God's seeing is filtered through Christ. He sees us, you and me, through who Christ is and what Christ did. And God is indescribably pleased with who Christ is and with what Christ did. He loves, God does, to look at the perfection of Christ. And he sees, unimaginably so, he sees you and me through that perfection. I just got these new glasses Friday and they're out of adjustment. I'm sure you noticed the disaster that my old glasses were. All the coating peeling off of them. A white haze over them. Many people, including many of you, offered, Hey, Craig, let me clean your glasses for you. I said, good luck with that one. 
But I felt like I was looking through a fog for two months. I had forgotten, honestly, how clear and how clean the world could look until I looked once again through these new lenses. God looks at us through the lens of Christ. He does see us clearly. And he sees that we are clean before him because of what Christ has done for us. Clean and clear. Is that good news? Know this beautiful truth. God only ever looks at you. God only ever looks at you through Christ. If you are a believer, you are never out of Christ. You are always in Christ. Romans 8, 38-39. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus himself said, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The truth is that God doesn't look at us unless he looks at us through Christ. Jesus is always the lens. Jesus is always the lens before the face of God through which he sees us. That's the softer side of this truth. You and I then live in the reality that being seen by God is good news when you're in Christ. And we live with a heart overflowing with such gratitude for Christ that we seek to put before him and before his gaze a beautiful life to look at. A God-loving, neighbor-serving, Christ-centered, Christ-proclaiming life. My spirit needed to hear and say all of these words this week. I'm passionate about it. About us seeing the softer side of God's truth. I'm passionate about standing against the caricatures of our culture, and even the caricatures in our own mind that God is hard, that he demands and requires hard things just for the sake of their being hard. There are hard things, but those hard things are not intended to harm us. Even the hard things are for our good, and we get to do the hard things. Because of the soft side of God's truth. Listen, if God wanted to harm us, if God wanted to harm you, then Christ would have stayed in heaven and we would be condemned to hell. That's what's truly hard. And hard cannot begin to describe the horrors of eternal separation from God and His light And his love, but the soft side is that God loves us through Christ and has heaven for us. And because he loves us, he orders our lives for our good. And so let's do this. Can we please look for the softer side of God's truth? Let's thank God that by his grace, he does give us a kingdom perspective. 
By his grace, he does extend to us every moment of every day a shepherding hand. By his strength, we can stand against our culture and do the hard things. And because of Christ, we can live fully and freely in the full gaze of God. Let's do the hard thing and look for the soft side. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your full truth. Truth that is hard, but truth that's soft as well. Help us to stick with you, Lord Jesus, to follow closely behind you. To press on through the difficult things to which you call us. So that we might discover that secret. That we can do all things through Christ, through you. Because you give us strength. Bless us. Toward this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.